Don't want to work forever? Once you can cover your living expenses with passive income, your day job becomes optional and you reach financial independence. You then have complete control over your time, your money, and your life in general. Spark Rental founders Denny Suplee and Brian Davis, me, are here to help you build rental income, ditch your day job, and do what matters most to you. So on that note, let's jump into today's episode, which, like all of our episodes, was recorded live. Hey guys, happy Tuesday. It is uh, 2 p.m., our regular weekly broadcast over Spark Rental. Instead of Denny joining me today, I actually have Allie Boone of Hipster Investments. Welcome, Allie. We're so glad to have you. I'm so glad to be here. I, I feel bad I'm taking Denny's spot. Well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> something tells me she'll get over it. <laughs> <laughs> she's like kicked back, having a day off, no problem. Oh, yeah. She's on a beach somewhere, sipping on a margarita. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I want to do that. I know, right? Although it's 11 a.m. my time, so <laughs> you know, o'clock somewhere. <laughs> well, there you go. So, we are going to talk today all about turnkey rental property investing and in particular long distance investing since so many investors aren't thrilled with their local real estate investing market uh, at least right now with everything so overvalued at least on the coasts uh, mm -hmm. before we jump into that ali actually has a special giveaway for you guys today uh ali tell us about what it is you're giving away and how people can score it so uh i have set up a link i have um it's a good question. What's the link? Um, <laughs> so last summer I put out my first book and it's available on Amazon, but I set up a link for you guys to be able to get it uh, for free, a digital copy. So the link is do, do, do. Uh, so my company's name is hipsterinvestments.com. So it's hipsterinvestments.com slash spark rental. Right, and you guys, I will add a link to that in the comments here. Uh, and just for reference, it is hipsterinvestments.com slash sparkrental. And it is out in the comments. So uh, go there and you will see how to score a free copy of Allie's book. And uh, we will be, so those will be giving away available uh, permanently or just for the next 24 hours or how does that work? Oh, it's a 24 hour thing. All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> it means you got to move. That's right. It's, it's just like the 2021 real estate market, right? You know, time to sit around. This is all in help for you. This is in support of you. Like, learn. You gotta. You gotta do it quick. Yeah, you snooze, you lose in this market. <laughs> all right. So, Ali, let's let's start really basic and fundamental here for people who aren't familiar with the term turnkey property. What is a turnkey property? You know, why should people invest in them? Give us, you know, the the high level overview here of what turnkey properties are. Yeah, it's a great question. So the term turnkey actually refers to the condition of a property, technically. So that would be, so the metaphor is like you stick the key in the door, turn it, and you're making money from day one. Some people may have slightly different variations of what this means, but in general, a property is freshly rehabbed, there's no work pending, and preferably there are tenants in already paying rent, and in most cases, property managers on standby to take care of the property for you. So again, you know, if you already have tenants in paying and you don't have to do work on the property, 
you get to start making money on day one that you own it. So when, so that's the condition. That's the the term refers to the condition of a property. You could buy a turnkey a turnkey property next door to you. Um, but when most people are talking about turnkey rental properties, they're talking about properties that are purchased from turnkey providers. So there are actual companies out there, and essentially they're just like glorified flippers. Let's be honest; they just are pumping out a lot of properties and selling them to investors versus your normal like you know individual flipper so these companies go out they're in cash flowing markets they go out find a bunch of distress inventory they buy that inventory they rehab it they place tenants they have property managers on standby so you as the buyer get to just pick out your property so there's really no work involved other than basic due diligence which you absolutely want to do um so the advantage to this is i know for me I was looking into real estate investing. I was I was looking at all the options. I was trying to get into investing as much as the next guy. And I I kept being held off from it because I was like, I'm not trying to get a, another job. I'm not, I don't, I'm not really very handy. I don't want to flip properties, all that kind of stuff. And so this turnkey idea kind of slid across my desk and I was like, wait, you mean I could invest and not do all that work? And that's what they're really set up for. So the, you know, there are a few different kind of categories of people who would be fantastic for this, which is me who prefers to be the lazy investor versus put a lot of work into something. Um, Brian, you had mentioned a lot of the markets are so overpriced right now. I live in Los Angeles. You can't buy a cash flow and rental property in Los Angeles. So turnkey is a way for me to buy 1,000, 2,000 miles away from me. And it's a, it's a setup that can, is a little bit more conducive to out-of-state investing or non-local investing. So if you're in an expensive market, turnkey may be an option for you. And, you know, we'll be quite honest, there's a major downside to turnkeys because, you know, right now they sound perfect, right? The downside is you're going to pay market value for this. And a lot of investors are getting right. into real estate wanting to do a value add deal where you buy the distressed property, you put the work into it and you force the appreciation. You're not really going to have that yeah. option here. Yeah. So you're going to pay more for a turnkey, but you get what you pay for because the work's already done for you. So, but you know, that is a downside that can mess people up sometimes. So, you know, just there are pros and cons to every strategy and that's the one for turnkeys. Yeah, I mean, so turnkeys are a great way to make rental investing truly passive or much closer to passive anyway, rather than yeah. going out and trying to score a great off market deal and then renovating the property. And, you know, none of that is really passive investing in the true sense. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's spend some time talking about buying long distance, because that's something that a mm -hmm. lot of real estate investors have questions about. They're confused about how to do it safely. So let's start with how do you verify properties condition? when you buy properties long distance? How do you make yourself feel comfortable with the due diligence and uh, inspecting the property and so forth if you never actually lay eyes on it yourself? So the good news is about that, given that we're in 2021 and we have this thing called the internet and all so I mean, we've become like the kings and queens of working virtual, right? Right. So like you can do this virtually, which is nice. You know, 30 years ago, this would have been a very different story. I can't believe I just said 30 years ago when we didn't have internet, but 30 years ago, this would have been a lot harder because you didn't have the internet or, you know, cameras or whatever. Um, honestly, the due diligence part is the hardest, but I think this is true for any real estate investing strategy. I know when I started buying turnkeys, the major thing that I had not learned as thoroughly as I would have liked to at the time is how to do proper due diligence. And even, you know, I've been, I started investing in turnkeys 10 years ago and I'm still coming up with new things that I'm like, oh, I would definitely make sure to check that. You know, it's a learning process and you've got to give yourself a little bit of room to be okay. Like, 
if you don't do it perfect from the get-go, that's fine. But the biggest message I think with turnkeys that is missed is that you do need to do due diligence because these properties are advertised as hands-off, someone's doing all the work for you. And for some reason, that seems to give people permission to be like, nah, I don't have to do anything. <laughs> hello. hello. Like you need to verify everything. And so you mentioned the property's condition absolutely get a, a third party home inspection. Like, ne I mean, this is for any strategy to never buy a property without an inspection. Although in today's market, you kind of have to sometimes, but turnkeys still allow for inspections, which is nice. Um, so you've got property inspections. Uh, once the provider does the repairs from the inspection, you want to see videos or pictures or whatever. Um, you know, we have tools like RentFax Pro, different um, uh, online programs that can give you neighborhood, market, uh, rent comps. You know, you can plug in an address, get a full report. Um, you want to verify all the numbers. That's, I would say the two biggest things that you really want to check up on are the numbers. You know, make sure that when they say, oh, you're going to be getting $1,100 a month in rent, that that's actually a feasible number. And, you know, taxes, insurance, all the quotes, all of those check out. And then the property inspection. Those two things alone if those completely check out, you're probably going to be okay because anything that happens much past that, you can probably, you know, do something with, you know, some of it would be neighborhood, um, you know, your tenant pool, things like that. But yeah, I mean, really the due diligence, I, I created a whole document uh, that describes all the steps that I would take interviewing property managers, uh, but definitely the home inspection and running the numbers. Well, so you just mentioned property managers, and I want to spend a little time talking about your local partners and, and support personnel, yeah. because that's a huge component of this. You know, yeah. Denny and I talk all the time about how real estate investing is a team sport, uh, which is something I'm sure you know well, you know, being an investor that buys all over the country. Uh, so you have to have contractors all over the country and potentially realtors and property managers and, yeah. you know, all of these uh, support personnel in many different markets. So how do you go about screening, hiring local support partners? What are the, the main support partners and personnel that, that you always, always, always work with in each market? Mm -hmm. uh, tell us a little bit about how you work with uh, local support personnel. Yeah, so this is one of the kind of distinguishing things about turnkeys is, let's say, so I live in Los Angeles and I want to buy a property in... Kansas City or somewhere. So really the two ways that I can go about doing that is if I go the non-turnkey route, whether the property's rehabbed or not, doesn't really matter, but who are the team members I would have to put together? I'd have to have an agent of some sort. I'd have to have a contractor, a handyman, or you know, to whatever extent the property needs work. And I would need property management. So I would be responsible for finding all of those people. And in some case, you know, I've some I've known some people where like an agent knows a really good contractor, who knows a really good property manager, whether they know all know each other or not. But it's up to me to fill those positions. With the turnkeys, everything is in-house to some extent, as far as the turnkeys go, you don't have to find an agent, a contractor, a property manager, that all comes with the property. And that's one of the big advantages. And so then the question becomes, you know, when you're doing it on your own, you have to interview and, you know, figure out how you want to choose though each individual team player. Whereas the turnkey provider, you, the only individual that you really want to kind of talk to in more depth is the property manager, because they're the ones that's all. I mean, God, we could go for hours about property management drama, but you know, <laughs> your property manager essentially is going to make or break your investment. Right. You know, not to sound overly dramatic about it, but it's true. Um, so those that 
part of the team. You may interview kind of separately, whatever. But as far as contractors, all of that, that's all done for you. So really, it becomes a matter of choosing which turnkey provider that you want to work with. And that's, it, it's almost a little bit of a longer conversation of how to choose that. And it's one of the biggest conversations as well. How do I know which turnkey provider to go with? And it's a little bit unfortunate because it's kind of overwhelming. I would say that reviews online are not overly accurate. Um, there's not many reviews of turnkey providers online. Uh, there, you know, the best thing is if you know someone who had a really good experience with a turnkey provider, uh, go with that, like work with right. that. References, uh, referrals yeah. are always the best way to find people. Yeah. Yeah. And then past that, if you don't have anyone for referrals and you don't really know where to start, I say skip worrying about which provider to work with. Just look into all of them and see who is in a market that you like and who offers properties that you think you like and look at it from the perspective of doing due diligence versus trying to figure out who to work with. If that makes sense. It's almost like a, you know, top down approach versus bottom up approach. If I go to Kansas city, I have to start from ground zero and build everything up. I have to build the team up. I have to figure out the properties. I have to figure out the neighborhoods, the turnkeys. If you go to a turnkey provider and say, Hey, I want to buy one of your properties. They're going to say, okay, here's five we have available. Just pick one you like and then verify everything. Is If that makes any sense versus like trying to get to the point of the property, start with the property and work backwards and just make sure everything checks out. I mean, you know, as good as I do that there's very little about a property that you can't verify. And again, most of us aren't trained to do a hundred percent perfect due diligence, but that's, you know, to me, it's easier to figure out how to verify everything than to create things because I'm not a market expert. If if I go to Kansas City and I'm like, what neighborhood should I buy in? I don't know. And everyone's like, I'll start with the crime stats. I'm like I live in <laughs> Venice Beach. If I went by the crime stats, I would have been beheaded at least five years ago. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know if that makes any sense. So it's it it's does. a little it's just a different way of, you know, whichever route you're going, it's a different way of navigating that. Now, there's there's something that you mentioned there that we kind of glossed over, and I just want to spend a minute um, talking about this. So you're talking about turnkey providers that also serve as property managers, correct? So you buy the property from them, and then they yeah. stay on and manage the property for you uh, indefinitely. I'm glad you, a quick clarification on that. So when you work with a turnkey provider, they are going to offer property management that comes with the property. And it may be one of two versions. Either it's going to be an in-house property manager, meaning their company, it's not the exact same person, but it's somebody in that company's umbrella, like it's the property management division, or they outsource the property management to a third party property manager. Everybody always thinks that they want in-house property management. Honestly, I've run the pros and cons list of in-house versus third party. And to me, they completely balance out. I don't see one. There's downfalls of in-house also. So property management right. will come with the property. But the important thing for everybody to know, and this is where it gets a little more critical, kind of was talking about doing that separate due diligence on the property manager. You don't have to use the property manager that comes with the property. You have, right. you know, Purely you're buying optional. the property. Yeah, you can use anybody. So I recommend interviewing the property manager that comes with the property just as if you were building your team from the ground up and also interview a couple other ones completely separate because that property manager, I, I heard a, a quote one time, I don't know if you've heard it, but uh, there was a guy that said, I would rather buy an average property with an excellent property manager than an excellent property with an average property manager. And it's a hundred percent true. I, yeah, it is true. It almost doesn't matter what you buy. It's in the property management. Well, 
that's a <laughs> statement that's not totally accurate, but you know, it makes kind a of the, impact yeah. on your returns. Yeah. I mean, you can have a really terrible property and if you have that great of a property manager, they're going to make it work. But so the property management really is the key. So yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because it's so important. People just assume they have to use the one. And honestly, the one that comes with them isn't always the best. So, and I've, I don't have any of my original property managers. I've switched all of them out at some point over the years. So yeah, the property management factor is by far the biggest one. So we have a question here from Christina Colon, who is a regular who uh, Denny and I love. Uh, she says, how I mean, do you get in contact? So Christina asks, how do you get in contact with these turnkey providers, with these companies? And so, how do you find them? There's a couple different ways. A lot of them have websites. You could just reach out on the website. So this actually brings up kind of one other point that's really important. So if you're thinking the turnkey route, there's really two kinds of turnkey companies. There are the turnkey providers who do exactly what I said. They go buy the properties, you buy the property from them and they're the direct turnkey providers. And then there's the turnkey marketing companies. And there are less of these, but what the marketing companies do is they're not the ones with the properties. If you go to one of their websites, you're gonna see multiple markets worth of properties. And so what the marketers are doing is they're partnering with turnkey providers to, you know, because like, let's say that you wanna buy a turnkey. And you're like, well, you know, I have $100,000 and I don't really know which market, you know, I've got certain goals that I'm trying to achieve. If you go to a direct turnkey provider and say, what's the best market? Where should I be investing? They're going to be like, this market, because that's the only place they have property. Hello. <laughs> of course. The yeah. turnkey marketers have multiple, you know, like turnkey marketers, they may have really expensive properties in more of appreciating markets. They may have the cheap cash flowing. You know, it's like, oh, well, do you like urban or suburban? Do you like single family or multifamily? Do you, you know, they are a little bit better at the portfolio type of thing. And you don't pay any difference in price if you go through a marketer versus the provider. Um, there's a whole list of reasons I, I prefer to work through the marketers rather than going direct to the providers. But so that's the thing is that if you want to buy a turnkey, you can go direct to the providers. Or if you see a turnkey marketing company or even somebody like me who's just in turnkey world, you can ask those people, talk to them first, get a feel for you know, what property or what market may be good for what you're trying to accomplish and they can make that introduction. So that's how I like to do it. Cause I like to come in with a team. I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> so, mess with me. I dare you. <laughs> I, got my, I got my entourage back here. That's how I look at it. Well, so let, let's talk about what you do and, and hipster investments for a minute here. Now, so do you consider yourself a turnkey marketing service or tell us about what you offer through hipster investments to your clients and to real estate investors across the yeah. country? So essentially, yeah, it's a turnkey marketing company. It's funny because when I started it, that was not my intention at all. And over the years, you know, as the whole thing built up and I just kind of was going with the flow, I was like, huh, I'm a turnkey marketing company for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the way that I look at it is there's the turnkey providers above, you know, that then there's the layer of the turnkey marketers. And technically Hipster is absolutely a turnkey marketer. But I have oftentimes, you know, if, if you go to a normal turnkey marketer, they're going to send you direct to a provider. Sometimes if you come to me, I may send you to another marketer, which does, you know, it's a lot of people in the equation, but it's also quite the bigger support team you have. But right. my whole role, I kind of almost see myself as a, as hipster, um, as hipster, not a hipster. Not one. <laughs> I was going to um, say. <laughs> hi hippie, maybe, but, uh, <laughs> 
you know, I kind of almost am more like a concierge service. You know, I run the turnkeys right. Facebook group and my whole um, idea is really to just get everyone talking. I want to help people get turnkeys because even with the turnkey marketing companies, if you're brand new, you may not even know which marketing company to work with. So like I have videos on the turnkeys Facebook group where I literally just go through every company that I know something about. It's just objective information. I, if you come to me and say, do you prefer, you know, some company? Yeah, I absolutely have preferences, but oftentimes I'm just going to lay it out objectively because who may be a fit for one person may not be a fit for another person. So I've almost kind of seen myself, I don't want to say a step above the marketers because it's not, a hierarchy type of thing, but I'm almost a step outside of the marketers also, even though technically I am one because I started as a turnkey buyer. So this whole thing started and hipster came to be because I was buying turnkeys at that time. Nobody knew what they were. And they're like, what are you buying? You're not swinging hammers. I was like, no. And so I was telling everyone about it. And so it was really just like a, here's who I bought through. Here's who I had a good experience with you know, that's all that's, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'll just tell you what I've done and what's worked and what hasn't. So it's a little bit, for me, it's a little bit of a different mindset than just being a marketing company. But essentially that's what I do is if you come to me, I'm going to tell you, you know, you can tell me what are your goals? What, what's your budget? Do you have preferences? And I also help support you through the whole buying process. You know, whatever you need, I'm kind of, I used to tell people that I was a glorified matchmaker. <laughs> you know, we send everyone together. But over the years, I've come to realize that more of my um, uh, title is emotional support dog. That's, <laughs> that's kind of, <laughs> and I don't know that I would call the marketers emotional support dogs, but that's that's kind of my jam. Right. So if if someone wants to buy a property in, say, Kansas City, mm -hmm. you know, even though you don't live in Kansas City, they they come to you and they say, "Hey, I'm interested in Kansas City," and you say, "Well, you know, I can point you towards you know these three turnkey sellers that operate in Kansas City. But if you tell me what you're looking for in general, your broader investing goals, yeah. I might actually find you a better turnkey provider in say Houston, Texas, or, you know, yeah. so you work with turnkey sellers all over the country and you will connect investors with turnkey sellers that are appropriate yeah. for their investing goals. Is that yeah. a fair way of summing that up? Yeah, absolutely. And it can go a couple of different ways. You know, some people just want one market. End of story. You know, that's it. So if they come to me and say, hey, do you have any providers in Kansas City? I'll say, well, you know, here are the names I know. I do work with one who honestly is not my favorite turnkey provider. You know, and here's what I've seen. You know, they they put out good properties. The experience tends to be pretty decent. But, you know, there are some turnkey providers that I'm just like, bowing at their feet because it's hard to find good customer service with turnkey. I mean, it's investing. Yeah. People are moving fast. Um, so when I think, but all, but then the flip side of kind of what I was about to say is if you come to me and say, Hey, I think I might be interested in Kansas city, but I'm kind of open to anywhere. When I'm thinking of where I want to recommend for you, it's a combination of a market and the properties fitting your goals, but also the quality of the turnkey provider. If right. you're brand new and you're terrified of going through this process, which a lot of people are, I'm not going to send you to the gnarliest turnkey provider. I know there are some <laughs> that might make you cry. They have great right. properties, but you know, it's it, but if you're more experienced and you, you can handle yourself and whatever, you know, maybe the best fit is the little rowdier turnkey provider versus if you want the experience, I'll say, you know, am I, you may want to go this way. So that's kind of where I come in is tailoring those recommendations. But again, if you say you want a particular market, I may also tell you that I don't know of any good turnkey providers there. Not to say there aren't any. I just, 
I won't personally recommend a company that I don't have some level of knowledge or experience with. <coughs> Understood. So we've got another question here from Edwin Torres, who is another regular who Denny and I love. Uh, so <laughs> Edwin says, <laughs> so he says, on a turnkey property for the before and after purchase, do you get a breakdown of how much it would cost to bring the property to living standard? Now, from what you said earlier, turnkey properties are already in living condition, yeah, right? And, and may well have. Yeah, and, and might have a tenant already in them and paying. Um, or if they don't have a tenant, then they are move-in ready. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, uh, and that's the downfalls because uh, turnkey property is already fully improved. I mean, it's done. And so, like, if you go into a turnkey saying, oh, you know, maybe I'll, you know, fix something up to force appreciation. You're not, it's all, it's all already no done. There from, These are fully yeah. rehabbed, works done. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk for a second about some of the, the greatest challenges that you've seen novice <laughs> investors, or at least you know people who investors who are new to investing long distance. What are some yeah. of the biggest challenges that they face, and what are some of the tips that you have for them to make sure they don't lose money on their first yeah. long distance turnkey deal? It's all in the due diligence. That's um, the number one biggest mistake that I've seen over the decade that I've, because I was buying my own turnkeys and then obviously I started working with a lot of people. So I've not only seen my own experiences, I've seen hundreds of other experiences too. It, I don't know that it happens quite as much today, or maybe I haven't seen it quite as much because I've, I don't know, just because I've been preaching it, but maybe people figured it out. In the earlier days, because these properties were advertised as hands-off rental properties, which I'm one of the culprits, I have an ebook calling them hands-off rental properties. It, I really saw people embrace that to too, too far of an extent. That's why I now don't call them hands-off rental properties because it's like hands-off brains off. And right. so what people are doing is just assuming that everything is perfect and everything's done for them. Yeah, that's a hundred percent how it should be. But I always say, if there's humans in the equation, there's room for error. I mean, this is real estate. Nobody's perfect. These people are moving fast. And I, I there's been maybe in all of that time, two or three just total freak situations that could not have been picked up in due diligence. I mean, that's the case with any real estate. Sometimes crazy things just happen. But for the most part, I would attribute most of the challenges that people have faced to a lack of due diligence. They didn't check up on things before. And again, this is a little bit of a double-edged sword because it's the due diligence that matters so much, but it's also really hard to learn because you don't know how, like, what should, how do you know what you don't know? What should you be checking up? What questions should you be asking? What things do you need to verify? And then how do you verify them? So that's a lot of what I've been really trying to work with people because let's be honest, if I recommend some killer turnkey and they someone goes and buys it and something terrible happens, guess who looks bad? Right. Like, so I have a very vested interest. <laughs> it's not my responsibility. It won't work with you in the future to yeah, help them find and more properties. And it's yeah. not technically my responsibility because it, you as the buyer, you are 100% responsible for doing due diligence. All I can tell you is, hey, I have reason to believe that this will be a good deal or these would be good people you might enjoy working with, blah, blah, blah. However, while that's technically true, I absolutely feel responsibility in that too, is part of my responsibility is to send you to people that I trust that have the best chance of things going well. And number two, to help train you on how to do that due diligence. Because I don't want to just kick you off to the curb and be like, they're great. It'll be fine. Have at it. Well, and you make your money from repeat business, right? I mean, you're, yeah, you're trying to establish totally. long-term relationships with, with people, with investors. Well, and I mean, have you had a bad review written about you on Bigger Pockets? That sucks. <laughs> Many, like, yeah. It is almost unrecoverable. And I'm like, 
Great. So yeah, I mean, you know, and that's and that's the thing with marketers too. The providers, they have a vested interest, obviously, but honestly, they have so much business. If something goes wrong with your, that's why I like hanging with the marketing companies because they're going to look as bad as everyone. You know, they have they have a very vested interest, and yeah, so it's really that due diligence component, and it's so hard because it's how do you learn it? How do you know how to interview a property manager? But I would say the number one thing that people can do you know, try your best to learn the due diligence. I'm happy to help, whatever. But if you're willing to step up and do whatever needs to be done to fix a problem or to address a problem, that is going to make all the difference. Because I've seen people just kind of, you know, go into the property and they're like, cool. And then something happens and they're just kind of, you know, they're not like bow up, like, like, uh, no, this is my investment. I'm the boss of this investment. This isn't working. We're going to fix this. Like you have to be willing to step up because it's the really, really passive people. You know, once you buy this property, the property manager is managing it for you, but they don't really have a stake in it. Like right. it's your money. It's your property. They're not part They're the of the ones that are pulling the bag at the end of the day when yeah. the property loses money. Yeah. In theory, they have a vested interest because, you know, they don't want to lose your business and everyone you know, but how much are they making? Property managers don't make a lot. So they're not making a ton off of you. You are the one who needs to care about your property and never assume that a property manager or anyone is treating it as it should be treated. So right, just a quick example to kind of describe yeah. this is there was a guy bought a turnkey. It was a great property. And I checked in with him. I don't know. It was like a year or two later. Cause okay, you know, we'll check in and just see how things are going. Cause I try and stay on for support after you own the property too. This isn't just about selling you a turnkey. And he said, yeah, you know, it's mostly been going good, but the cash flow hasn't been what I was expecting. And I was like, why? And he said, well, there ended up being a couple big repairs that really cut into the cash flow. I was like, what? It's a fully rehab property. And the dishwasher had exploded or whatever happens to dishwashers and it flooded the, the floor. And so he had paid $7,000 to repair, to fix the floor. And my first question was, did you call your insurance company? Because that's like the dream way to get, hello, it's the best way to get a new floor. It's when your dishwasher explodes. And he was just like, oh, I didn't really think about that. So without, you know, anything, he just slapped $7,000 down and it was like, ugh, it's, it's this kind of thing where I don't want to say be on your toes because I also want you to kick back and drink your margarita and relax and not worry. It's the whole point of having, you know, everyone do work for you. But at the same time, I always just kind of keep one eye open. And if something suddenly isn't going right, I jump on it and I'm like, hey, what's going on? And I make decisions. Be willing to stand up and make decisions. That alone will change the whole fate of your investment. And this is for any strategy, but I did, I made a video one time that it was called something like, don't be a victim to your turnkey process. It's because people just kind of kick back and they assume everyone's doing everything for them. And if it's not working well, whoop. and no, you are in charge, even though you're not the one, you're the boss and remember that and do what it takes. So if you're willing to step up, that changes everything. Even if you don't know everything about due diligence or whatever, being willing to make a change or to make a decision, golden, absolutely golden. So we've got we've got one more question here from Christina Cohen. She says, uh, I've seen turnkey properties that do not meet the 1% rule for rentals. What kind of cap rates can we expect on this kind of investing strategy? Let me guess, you're looking in 2021. <laughs> the 1% <laughs> rule has swirled the toilet, my friends. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, 
here's the thing, the rules, the 1%, you know, when I started buying turnkeys, it was a 2% rule. Like meeting the 2% rule Me was yeah. <laughs> so easy. People reach out now and they're like, Hey, what are, what are the numbers on your turnkeys look like? And I'm like, you don't know. <laughs> Just don't worry about it. <laughs> um, those are rules. They are not mandates. They are not even rules. They're just guidelines to help you kind of shop to get an idea whether a property might cash flow or not. If a property doesn't hit the 1% rule, doesn't mean it's not going to cash flow. The other thing, which is a, I don't want to say a newer mindset, but it's a mindset adjustment that people are really, really having to adopt this year because of the housing market with prices going up. Most properties now are not meeting the 1% rule, period. And so what I'm seeing, and this is kind of a different conversation, but what I'm seeing is people are having to start, a, having to start adapt. Why am I not saying this right? They're having to start adapting. Okay. Uh, English was not Reframing your mindset. Like, <laughs> um, they're having to reframe. Yeah, thank you. They're reframing their mindset because over the past 10 years, it's been very easy to be a consumer and buy investment properties. You can invest with a consumer's mindset, meaning, you know, the interest rates are low, the prices are cheap, everything's only going up. Everything's been more or less easy as far as investing yeah. goes. Guess what? Tables are turning. Interest rates are going up, although they're still at all-time lows. Prices are high. Cash flow is squeezed. So it's like, oh, well, the 1% rule was easy. So what if we can't meet the 1% rule? Does that mean we just don't invest? Absolutely not. There are five ways that a rental property makes money. Cash flow, appreciation, tax benefits, equity build via mortgage pay down, and hedging against inflation. So if you come into a scenario where you're not getting the cash flow that you want, first of all, forget the rule, see what the actual cash flow is. Because if you're still positive cash flow, it may not be a deal breaker. But you want to look at all five of those profit centers because the question needs to be, how is this property going to make me money? And if people only care about cash flow, cash flow by itself is not how people get rich off of real estate. Cash flow is really, you know, put a little extra money in your pocket. Yeah, you build enough of it up, you can get to financial freedom. But that's a lot of $200 a door type of building. But it's what really makes people wealthy are the other profit centers. And there becomes an issue of speculation. You don't ever want to invest just for appreciation because you have no idea what's going to happen. All right, Margaret, could crash again tomorrow. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so it's it's one of five different profit centers. And so what I'm seeing a lot of today is people just ruling out investing because something doesn't meet the 1% rule. First of all, the rules drive me crazy because while they're valid, the intent has really been, I think, mis the intent is good, but the the phrasing of them and everything else has become very misleading because now it's told people, well, if it doesn't meet the 1% rule, it's not going to be profitable. That's a thousand percent not true. Right. And so you have to learn to look at a investment. You know, I was just looking at the mortgage interest rates, uh, historical ones last night. In 1981, the interest rate on the mortgages was 16.63%. Yeah, hard to, <laughs> hard to imagine so, in today's context. And think about that. If you had a property in 1981 that met the 1% rule, but you have a 16.63% interest rate on your mortgage, do you think that 1% rule property is going to cash flow? No, not even a little bit. But a right. lot of people may got very wealthy during those years. So it's about really looking at your mindset and learning how to more fully analyze a property. So with all of that said, that's my soapbox. Um, 
St. Louis, I'm working with properties right now, they easily meet the 1% rule. So there are, and the other problem right now is a lot of the markets and even the turnkey providers are just flat out of inventory. Um, St. Louis is meeting the 1% rule. I think Cleveland is pretty short on inventory, but they're probably going to hit the 1% rule for the most part. But one thing to why this has become such a big conversation is because existing properties are in such low inventory, like turnkey providers can't get foreclosures right now. They can't get the inventory. A lot of people are switching to new construction. As soon as you get into new construction, your cash on cash return right out of the gate is probably going to be in the like one to 3% range. And people are like, what? That's terrible. But your cash flow is going to be very minimal. They're certainly not going to hit the 1% rule, not even close. But again, you're looking at the whole deal because there's a whole lot that comes with new construction in certain markets that can well make up for the cash flow. So again, bigger perspective and look at the full deal versus if you're buying like a D-class property and it's in, it's really cheap and it's in so-so whatever, if that sucker doesn't meet the 1% rule, I would definitely not buy it because no. it's that risk reward trade-off. But a brand new, new construction house in an owner-occupied neighborhood in a highly appreciating market, screw the 1% rule. So, you know, it's, yeah. And we, by the way, we added a link here to uh, the cash flow calculator on our website. Uh, it's totally free. Uh, and it also calculates your cash on cash return, uh, which is way more important than things yeah. like the 1% rule. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, run the numbers for each individual property before even thinking about buying <laughs> yeah, um, and make sure you get your, your expense number is accurate. And a, so, and a quick thing on that, when you're looking at them, like as far as turnkeys go, I've seen several turnkeys lately. I think it's in Oklahoma city or somewhere like that, where they are low cash flow. They're low cash on cash returns. And those are older existing properties, turnkey style, whatever. Oklahoma city is not, necessarily a highly appreciating market by any stretch of the imagination. And what I've seen is, so it's like, okay, cool. But if I'm going to take that low of cash flow, I think I'd rather have a new construction in an appreciating market. And so that's something, if you're looking at the turnkeys, this is why I tell people shop around too. look and see what multiple providers have. See, okay, this cash flow over here for this purchase price, here's what I'm getting for that. Same over here, same over here. And look at those and compare it because that's what's going to tell you. I don't want a low cash flow property in Oklahoma City because where's the rest of the profit coming from? Or it's even like overpaying in Oklahoma City. But if we're talking about some of the Florida markets right now and it's new construction, yeah, I'm fine with lower cash flow. So yeah, that you mentioned, um, you know, looking at all that stuff, but those are, that's a quick turnkey example of what I look for when all the different opportunities present themselves. Uh, well, I want to be sensitive to your time here, uh, but I, I want to circle back to your free book. So mm -hmm hipsterinvestments.com slash spark rental is where you can go to get a copy of your free book and just give us a quick recap. Once again, uh, your book's title and what people can expect to learn when they read it. So the book is called not your how to guide to real estate investing life lessons on hacking your mind before you hack your wallet. And my favorite thing about working in this industry, I am such a mindset nerd. I love mindset. I love psychology. I love all that kind of stuff. My background is in engineering. Uh, okay. So I actually, I, of course I love psychology. I, 
but it's 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 kind of cool because the real estate investing industry is complicated. It doesn't necessarily have to be hard, but because it's so complicated, it makes it hard. And we all know there's a huge dropout rate as real estate investors. We didn't learn this in school. If you type in how to be a real estate investor, it's like, go flip a house, go wholesale. <laughs> Okay. Uh, you don't know who to turn to. You don't know anything. And so the idea with my book is I wanted to take a step back before all the how-to guides because most of the real estate investing books are how to do this, how to flip a house, how to wholesale, how to da-da-da. And I wanted to look at the mindset component. I also try to put some humor in it because it can also be a little bit of a stoic industry. Uh, <laughs> but it's like, it describes the industry, like what are the challenges, what, what makes this industry harder? So it's kind of a different perspective on what what comes with being as being in real estate. And then it talks about like things to consider for yourself. If you're trying to figure out your journey or you're trying to figure out a better way to do the type of investing that you're already doing. So it's different things to look at your strengths. My favorite chapter is I have a theory that there are three true currencies, money. We all know time and sanity are the two that people leave out. And so in any instance, when I want to get something, whether a service or a product, I'm paying in one of one or more of those currencies. And like turnkeys, for example, I'm going to pay more money, but I'm keeping all my sanity also. Right. And, and for me, time. yeah, and tons more time. I spend on all my properties when things are going normal, less than an hour a year, if even that, when things are fine. So that's my favorite chapter. And then at the very end of the book, um, two major things back there. There is actually a how-to guide. Uh, <laughs> I have a feeling it was stuck in there somewhere. Spoiler alert. But it's more <laughs> of like a, either how to get started or how to, it's the six steps that I used without even knowing I was using them to get out of my corporate job. Because my whole reason for being here is I wanted out of my corporate job. I didn't know how that was going to happen. And these were literally the exact six steps that I took to get out of that. And they're the same steps that you can take to get into real estate investing or you know, do whatever. If you're already in real estate, that's fine too. And then the last part of the book is I actually interviewed uh, five or six, I think it's six, including me in very successful investors in very different strategies. And the interview questions are the same for all of them, where it's, it's kind of like painting a day in the life of, because mm -hmm. you can have some investor guru shout off the rooftops that flipping houses is great. But what does that actually entail? Like, what does your life actually look like? What are your skill? What skills are required? Because there is a big failure rate. So it's I was trying to paint a an actual day in the life of different strategies so you can get a feel for, you know, tying that back to what are your strengths? What natural skills do you have? All that kind of stuff. And I'm obviously I'm biased because I wrote the book, but I really like it. It's 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 a to me it's a more fun read than a lot of the books. And it is, I call it the prerequisite to the how-to guides because I think if your mindset's not in the right place, there's not a how-to guide in the world that's gonna help you. So Absolutely. pausing, take that step back, look at the big picture, and then make your decision. And the whole goal being you may not be super successful right out of the gate, but it's to lessen the chances of falling out and really try and set yourself up for the best chance for success that, you know, your path can change later. It can whatever, but how can you get into this industry a little more gracefully than most of us got into it? Yeah. So we've got a comment here from Jason August who says, I love mindset too. It's hard to, it's hard when you are around people who don't have a similar mindset. Um, yeah. And it, yeah. And if you go into any kind of investment with the wrong mindset, then even if you get 
if you earn good returns, you may not be happy with those returns because you went into it with the wrong expectations mm-hmm. or you, your goals were not aligned with that kind of type of investing. Yeah. So yeah, you do, you have to go into any kind of investment with the right mindset. Understand and I even, the goals. I even, to that point, I even say in the book there, to me, there is no deal worth losing sleep over at night. I don't care how high the returns are. If you are stressed to the max or in fear, you know, whatever, if just like you said, if it's going against your natural grain, if you're losing sleep, not worth it. Like I, yeah. you know, even out of state investing, obviously I'm a big advocate for it, but some people will lose sleep doing, okay, fine. Don't like, not worth it. This is, the, we're not in it for just the money. We're in it for time, sanity. You know, this needs to be a bigger picture, but yeah, the the mindset is, it's crucial. And, and I think we, most of us are probably in a similar boat where our families and friends are like, don't do that. That sounds terrible. You know, there's a lot of naysaying around us. And so, interacting with other investors and really working, getting confident with your own mindset is important because you're going to have a lot of people telling you that you're wrong. So, oh, yeah. you know. <laughs> so Ellie, how can people get in touch with you and with hipster investments? You know, if they want to explore buying a property long distance, a turnkey property somewhere else in the U S from where they actually live. Yeah. So that, uh, link with the free book has contact information, uh, for me on there. Uh, if you're on Facebook, uh, you might be on Facebook listening to this. Oh wait, I guess everyone on here is on, on it, Facebook we're broadcasting live on Facebook. Although well, we also release this as a podcast and a video stream afterwards. So oh, perfect. A lot so of people do end up Facebook, consuming it, not live. <laughs> yeah. So anyone on Facebook who's not currently in the Turnkey Rental Properties Facebook group, just type in Turnkey Rental Properties. That's my group. It's an amazing group. Uh, it's it's I I didn't even I didn't even know it was going to take off when I started. It's been fantastic. I love it. Uh, but my contact information is at that link. You can always go to hipsterinvestments.com. Uh, I do ter- Turnkey mentoring. I can connect you with Turnkeys. Obviously, uh, I'm going to St. Louis in a month to work with a provider directly. I'll be taking videos. So definitely be in the Facebook group for that. And I do one-on-one real estate coaching. I also do group coaching, which we actually have a coaching event, a group coaching event tonight. So all those links are basically if you're in the group or on the mailing list for Hipster, you'll get all that stuff. All right. Great. Well, Allie, thank you so much for joining us today. This was a lot of fun and we look forward to having you back soon. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. All right, you guys, we'll see you next Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. Have a great week and let us know what you want to hear about next time. All right, Allie, thanks again. We'll talk to you soon. You bet. Did you know we offer a free eight-video course on how to reach financial independence with real estate? It's super bingeable with each video around 10 minutes long, but packed with information. Visit sparkrental.com slash learn for instant access. And please don't forget to rate and review our podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us, and we will catch you on the flip side.